Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode six of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm Daniel Cordova, your host and spirit guide on this metal journey. In this episode, I interview both Mike Semeski and Alex Rudiger, two of metal's most prolific young artists. Semeski is the vocalist of Ranchi, Rest Among Ruins, and the former vocalist of The Heart Machine and Intervals. Rudiger drums with Good Tiger and Conquering Dystopia, and has previously worked with The Faceless, also The Heart Machine, Threat Signal, and more. Both guys come together in the progressive death metal project Ordinance when they can. I chatted with both of them separately for this special double episode. First up, Alex. We spoke on the most recent Good Tiger tour with Between the Barrett and Me and August Burns Red. Here's some of Good Tiger before we dive in with Snake Oil from their debut album, A Head Full of Dreams. Talking with uh, Alex Rudiger of Good Tiger and various other projects, which I'll come back to one in particular in a moment. Uh, how's your first North American tour been with Good Good Tiger? Uh, this tour has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, as far as North American tours go, it's probably been actually one of my personal favorites. Cool. Um, we've toured. Actually, I met Des and Joe in, in the band uh, on tour with Between the Bear and Me when they were playing in the Safety Fire. Um, and honestly, if it wasn't for BTBM, I'm not sure I would have ever met them. So it's uh, it's a good time. The BTBM guys are great. ABR is great. It's been a good time all around. It's beautiful, so, really. Yeah, it's like my favorite tour. So, uh, audience enjoying the new material from uh, Familiar Faces? Uh, yeah, it seems seems to be going over really well. Um, surprisingly well, actually. I think uh, for all of us, this band's a little bit different than what we've done previously. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was a little bit afraid of how some some previous fans of our previous work would uh think but all in all it's been uh really great like everyone seems to enjoy it so uh especially the response on this tour i think it's a pretty good demographic so. yeah th- my next one was like you know because you've had very fast back- background so yeah yeah fans of follow-, follow you might you know too melodic for some but then again they don't know yeah yeah no catalog. it's uh it's been surprisingly good reception all around so the band seemed to come out of nowhere with the announcement through the like uh was it the Indiegogo, I believe, mm-hmm. was the account, um, sort of being the main announcement. So you guys met through Safety Fire Tour? I met Dez and Joe um, when they were playing the Safety Fire. I was playing in the Faceless, and we were we were all supporting BT Bam. The Contortionist was also on that tour. I was at that show here. Yeah, yeah, I remember that tour. It was a, it was a good show. That whole tour was also really great. Um, that was like three years ago, or maybe a little more. I, don't, I can't remember. Um, maybe Sorry. two and a half. I, so that's how I met Dustin Joe. I got on really well with all the guys in the Safety Fire. Uh, I hung out with them most of the time on that tour. Mm-hmm. Elliot I knew previously from just he he lives around the Maryland area where I'm from. Um, so we've kind of known each other and been friends for a long time. Elliot toured with Dustin Joe when Safety Fire was out with Periphery, and Elliot was working for Periphery, and that's how they met. So everyone was kind of very incestuous. Oh yeah, very much so. <laughs> So everyone had already kind of met. The only person that I didn't really know too well, I'd, I'd met him, but hadn't didn't know too well was Morgan going in. But Morgan's like very much of like mine with Des and Joe. So I guess initially Des and Joe wanted to do another band. They had talked to Elliot. 
Elliot really enjoyed them too, like their playing, like their style, uh, wanted to do a project with them. So he was in, and then Morgan got brought into the picture, and then they were looking for a drummer, and they asked me, kind of thinking that I might not be into it, because stylistically it's kind of different than what I've done, and hmm. it was kind of like exactly the direction I've wanted to go in, and also uh, just, they're great guys. So I was kind of like, yeah, let's see how that goes, and, and uh, a couple months later, things started going really well, and kind of brings us up to speed. <laughs> How quickly. Where, where does the name Good Tiger come from? Uh, Good Tiger was just a name that we thought up that everyone was kind of on board with. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really mean anything in particular. Um, it's just kind of positive sounding, and it's fun, it's easy to remember. And I think that was like the biggest thing, is we wanted something that was kind of unique, kind of easy to remember. It wasn't just like a one word, plural, noun, you know, something. I feel like there's a lot of that out there nowadays. Yeah, um, something that sounded kind of nice too and was easy to say, you know, and uh, something that could have a cool visual. And I thought, I thought that ended up being being really good. Um, Joe actually drew our logo, and he's. Uh, I think he was. Without him, I don't know if it would be as cool of a name because I think the logo kind of adds a lot to it. So. Uh, your Facebook describes the band as tasty jams from all around the world, or all around the world rather. What foods might pair well with your sound? Foods? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Everyone likes burgers in our band, <laughs> so maybe burgers. Uh, actually, everyone in this band is a fan of good food, so pretty much any any good food. We all drink a lot of coffee. Uh, whenever there's a good spot to eat, we'll eat it. Thai food. Um, so I guess that would be the Thai. Let's go with Thai food and burgers. Why not? You just came from San Francisco, which is a mecca for lovely food. Did you yeah. get anything in particular that you enjoyed? Um, actually, yes. There's a burrito spot right down the street from... Uh, the Regency Ballroom. Mm -hmm. um, have you been to that area at yes, all? Yes, many times. Okay, so if you go out the front of the venue and turn left and then just make your first left and then go down that hill, there's like a burrito place. I want to say it's called like Super Burrito or... I think you're correct, actually. Is that I, what it's called? I think I pass by it because I usually park down that way. That place is burritos rule. Awesome. Have you ever had one? I have not, but now I go to Regency all the time. I'll hit them up. Dude, I, go. I, I went there last time I was there. I thought it was great. Joe and, Joe and Des went there at a different time. And Joe was like, man, it's the best burrito I've ever had. And then leading up to this this show, Joe was even like, I wonder if that really was that great of a burrito or if I just built it up to be that. <laughs> and uh, we had, we all got it again, and it's a good burrito. Holds up? Good. Yeah, good. It's a good place. Well, that, I certainly will be going to them. I don't remember what show I'm going to next, but it's, it's fine. Hell yeah. Uh, is this a project or is this a band? This is a band. Okay. This is our full-time band now, um, which is very exciting for me. I think it's exciting for all of us, obviously. And I think as we tour more that will become more uh known that it's not just something we're doing as like a, oh this is cool we'll do one or two tours and do one album and it's just a side project it's not like that i think as we continue to tour more and by the time we put out our next cd as well people will know that it's it's like a full-time band and that's like what we're doing and uh yeah i mean that's kind of the plan all along i think there was gonna be some people that just thought it was like some internet side project thing for a while given that like it's it looks kind of crazy it's just mm -hmm. a bunch of people coming in from very different areas and different backgrounds and starting a band but it very much is a band so cool yeah uh since you guys got the first album off the ground through crowdfunding do you think you'll have to keep doing that just in the nature of the business or is that just like a one-time thing for you guys i think um well i mean we just signed to a label so that is a one-time thing i would say cool um the Indiegogo we were kind of unsure about at first. I, was, I wasn't I was a huge advocate for it initially. I was worried that it could kind of make or break us and that if it didn't go well, it might look kind of bad and that might be a bad start to a band. Um, but thankfully it went uh, 
insanely well and kind of exceeded all of our expectations times a lot. And uh, because of that, it kind of put us in a good position overall. It kind of got a lot of attention and hype around the band and allowed us to get an even better deal than we had hoped with a label. And uh, so now we're signed with, it's a, it's a branch, a new branch of Metal Blade mm -hmm. uh, called Blacklight Media. It's, it's a kind of co-run by uh, Chris Santos. He's like the head celebrity chef on Chopped on the Food Network. Oh my god, he is. Yeah. I watched way too much Chopped. I'm like, why is yeah, that yeah. name familiar? Yeah, yeah. So so he's kind of uh, working with Metal Blade and with us, and we're kind of the first band on the label. And uh, so far it's going really well. We have a lot of a lot of big things planned. And so for, for from here on out, we won't be doing any Indiegogo stuff. Um, yeah. You know, but I think that was a great way for us to kind of put our print out there and kind of just be like, we're going to do this band. Who's interested? And, and without any label being like, oh, I don't know, you know, the fans were able to just say, yeah, that's sick. And it kind of got enough attention to it where uh, it kind of allowed other people in the industry to take us more seriously. And uh, so I think that's a really good thing. And I think we couldn't have done that without the Indiegogo. And in that sense, I'm, I'm very thankful for it. And uh, I'm very stoked that that many people supported it. So. Now to kind of just go off all over sure, the place. Sure. Uh, what made you decide to start playing music? Um, for me personally, I had a lot of friends that played music. Uh, I would kind of go jam on my friend's drum kit and stuff like that, and I was just, I just liked listening to music, and, uh, I don't really know how to explain it. I just started playing drums, and it kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to do it at my friend's house after I kind of started doing it, and then my mom eventually bought me a drum set, and then it just kind of took over my life altogether. Uh... I don't really know how else to put it. I'm just no. a big fan of doing it and listening to it, and it consumed me very early on. So, What is your earliest memory of heavy music? Heavy music? Um, for heavy music, I'd probably say, like, some of the first metal albums I ever got were, like, uh, Soil Working in Flames cool. a long time ago, um, like, around the time, like, Rerattor Remain came out. So I kind of got into In Flames then and then went back in their discography. You know, I think that album came out when I was, like, fifth or sixth grade so pretty long time ago yeah my friend had that same one and that was yeah when he played a hell out of i got really into some of their it's funny i don't follow either of those bands too much anymore but i'm i'm still kind of a fan especially as the older albums are very kind of nostalgic for me in a way um but yeah i'd say like in flame soil work kind of uh first introduction to heavy music in a lot of those bands some other bands like that kind of were gateway bands to me getting into even heavier music you know like I used to be into all kinds of death metal and stuff like that, so I'd say that was that was the earliest. Yeah, I know a lot of people kind of now write off Soil Work, mm -hmm. but I got to say the last two albums. Oh, I thought they were great. They're yeah. the techiest they've ever been. Fucking great. I agree. I don't know why anyone would uh, write them off. That's unfortunate. I I, uh, I think they're all incredible musicians. We actually played a show with them recently in the Czech Republic, um, and. Yeah, they're all super nice guys, phenomenal musicians. I think Dirk Bjorn is an incredible drummer. Absolutely. Um, he's also done like an extensive back catalog of, of session work and stuff. He's in I think in, in metal and heavy music, he's actually one of my one of my favorite drummers. So So one of the other projects I alluded to earlier is Ordnance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just released some Ides of March. We're in March still, so this month, right? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, how is that project like Assuming it's more of a project, because you know, I, I see it's. I've read that's a studio project. It is, sort of yeah. Thing. Uh, is that sort of thing that would ever come to the stage? No. At this point, I would say no. Unfortunately, um, when we were a little bit younger, we thought about it. We did play some local shows when I was like a teenager, mm -hmm. um, 
But at this point, I would say no. We, at one point, were going to do it kind of more seriously, and then we all kind of decided that it just wasn't what we wanted to do, really, that style of music, as far as, like, a full-time band. Um, and that's kind of that. I mean, I think at this point, we're all kind of so busy with other things, it won't, won't be a more serious thing at all. But it is something we're all very proud of, you know. I, I'd say that's pretty much probably the craziest stuff I've ever written and recorded on drums. And uh, I'd say the guitar parts are... Nothing to slouch on either. It's all pretty crazy tech death, you know. Um, but yeah, I'd say at this point it's definitely just a studio project. I think if we do do another release, um, it'll be a while probably again. It's what six years since the last one. It was like, like five or something. Yeah, and it was it was always something we just did for fun, you know. Like me and Mike and Greg and Gunter have known each other since we were kids, and we had that band as like a for fun thing when we were kids. Um, since before any of us ever toured or did anything. So when we kind of all started doing other stuff. Uh, we always wanted to keep that project alive just for fun, and uh, we kind of wrote that album as a side project for fun thing over the course of the last four or five years. And I could see that happening again, but it's going to be a long time, I think. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I, I really am proud of that album. It's it's crazy stuff. So, uh, I have Mike lined up to interview cool. one of these days. Is there anything I could ask him that would make him squirm? Squirm. You've known him a while. I don't know about squirm. Mike's not much of a squirmer. Boo. Um, I'm sorry to say it. That's yeah. fine. But that's cool. Yeah. When are when are you interviewing him? I don't actually have a date yet, but we like I've talked to him a bunch and like I got ordinance stuff on metal injection. Cool. So, yeah, like, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. So I just you know lined up through that as and he's like yeah dude anything you want like anytime cool. we just haven't lined it up. Awesome man. Yeah. Hopefully next week. Yeah. yeah. Hit been... him up. I'm sure he'll be around. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Now you're good. Uh, is there any sort of collaboration that was in talks before that didn't quite flourish the way you wanted to, or just didn't timing didn't work out? Like bands, you mean? In Pro general? Could be a project, could be a band. Like you've talked to somebody on the road, you're like, yeah, dude, we should totally do something, and then uh, just uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, at different times. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I like that, <laughs> I like that question. Um, you know, for me, uh, I was supposed to fill in for Obscura on Summer Slaughter last year, and then they had visa issues and had to drop off the tour. That was a bummer. For me, I was kind of I learned all the stuff and was looking forward to doing the tour. Um, but as far as like real projects, uh, Dave Davidson from Revocation and I talked about doing something years ago. That'd be insane. <laughs> yeah, we actually wrote a few things. Like this was like years and years ago. This was when I was still in Threat Signal, and I toured with Revocation. It was one of the first U.S. tours I did actually, and uh, we talked about it. We wrote a few things. There were supposed to be some other guys involved. I want to say somebody from the Red Board or something, and. I think. I, I don't even remember. We wrote a few things, and then kind of everyone was busy, and I joined other bands. And But then I toured the Revocation again, and we kind of talked about it. Then I filled in for Revocation, and we kind of talked about it. It just, just never happened. Who knows, maybe someday. I love I love Dave, all the guys in Revocation, and uh, I love the way he writes, so it'd be sick. Maybe someday, but it also is something, like you said, just kind of talked about mm -hmm. mostly. So that's one, though. Yeah. I'm going to end with my favorite question to ask sure. uh, artists. What was your first band called, and what did it sound like? Oh, man. Um, all right. My first band ever yep. was called Scars of Your Demise. Great. Yeah, it was hilarious. Um, it's a local band from Frederick, Maryland, where I'm from. Uh, actually, the vocalist of it was one of the guys in Ordinance, Greg Macklin. Mm -hmm. He's one of my best friends. I'll actually be seeing him in a couple days in Seattle. He lives in Seattle now. Um, it was basically metalcore. It was uh, very I can, much... I kind of saw by the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was very much influenced by, like, I don't know, like, Azalea Dying and, and Killswitch Engage and stuff like that. 
Um, and honestly, like, considering the age we were all at, I don't think it was terrible. Um, you could listen to it now, and how would you I feel about, about it? Okay. I don't know about that. I mean, for I could listen to it now and be like, yeah, that wasn't too bad, considering I was 13, you know? <laughs> but, but I don't know if it was, like, spectacular. But we played a lot of local shows, um, a lot of local shows, and, you know, I definitely attribute uh, a lot of the work I did and excitement of music in general to, like, playing in that kind of a local band and, and just being excited about playing with people and playing music and gigging and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was kind of a kind of a pinnacle thing for me to do, you know. But yeah, that was the first one, first band. Come on. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for me. Cool. Find a way. That was Bloodwine by Ordnance from the album The Ides of March. For more of Alex Rudiger's current band, Good Tiger, head to facebook.com slash goodtigerofficial. Typically, I take a moment to introduce the My First Band segment right here, but since Alex already discussed his and this is a special double episode, you're going to get two My First Band segments. Listen for Mike's in his interview, and let's jump in with Mike right here with some of his work with Raunchy on the track Eyes of a Storm. So just a little peek behind the curtain. You recently moved. How was moving? Ooh, man, nothing can prepare you for buying a house. So it's moving. Yeah. (laughs) And, and moving I've done a million times, but oh my, you, you might as well put your life on hold for like two or three months. If you're going to be buying, (laughs) it was absolutely insane. So trying to balance that with, uh, projects and, and, you know, lessons and everything and, uh, it was rough, but we're here. And actually, the reason I'm late is because uh, this is just the most embarrassing adulting moment I- I've had in the past week. But I uh, was having deck furniture delivered. So, um, yeah, it, it happened to show up like right at 11. So uh, that's what that was all about. <laughs> all good. Did you have like one of those sort of uh, God, what were those? property brothers sort of situations where people show you like four different houses and you make bids oh. and then people people battle see i've never dealt with any of the house side of things so yeah. to me it, it all is what tv gives it makes it look like right i mean like you know i, I worked with a realtor um and before we even decided on a specific realtor you know we, we before we actually signed up for one and and committed to one uh you know we we dealt with a lot of listing agents and you know i mean they, they want to work with you, you know? They want to help you. I mean, I'm a first-time buyer, and, well, we, me and my girlfriend, and, and so, like, you know, they're trying to show you all kinds of stuff. And um, there were a few days, a few, actually, no, now that I think about it, there were, yeah, a good handful of days where um, it was just one right after the other with the same realtor. 
Um, so I, I'm not actually sure. I should have counted how many houses I went to see. Um, but uh, yeah, it, the the bidding thing is real. That's for sure. <laughs> the the bidding thing is definitely real. You put it in an offer and everything, and uh, I mean, they they can accept you know if if they want, or or they can just not respond to you and hold out uh, until they get something better, or you know. You get antsy and maybe uh, reconsider and offer them more or something. So, pretty nuts, man. It's well, pretty nuts. It's like eBay, but for yeah, big things. <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> it's like years of your life, eBay. Yeah. Well, congratulations on a very adult step. Thank you, thank you. I don't belong here. <laughs> <laughs> I have those moments so often. Just so to turn things away from realty I, I for some sure. reason um you just wrapped up a tour with raunchy how was that tour of uh, europe yeah. oh it was great man uh had such a good time I, I love touring with those guys this this is the first headline tour we've done uh like actually supporting the 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 album you know we've done a few tours since it's come out but like we did like the headbangers ball tour for example where there was a rotating headliner and things like that and you know some festivals and things like that and um my first tour with raunchy was a headline uh headliner in europe um uh but that it, it was it was god two years three years pre vices so uh was that wasteland so so it was for a discord electric oh, okay well it was still in in support of I, i'm doing little quotation marks with my hands right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, cause that album came out in I think 2010. So, you know, and, and, and the tour I'm speaking of was in 2012, 2013, something like that. So, but yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun, man. And, uh, you know, good people on the tour. Um, it was really interesting. Uh, I'm always the, the token American and, um, uh, and this time around was pretty unique as well because, uh, we had four support acts and um, all of them were from different countries. And uh, so at any given time, there were five languages just bouncing around. Um, uh, opening band was from Spain, then one from Switzerland, then one from Sweden, then one from Finland and then Denmark. And then you had me sitting there and I got to be super lazy because the only way that bands could speak to other bands was in English. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so I caught all those conversations and then, you know, uh, pieces here and there of the, the Spanish, uh, conversations and, uh, and, uh, the Danish ones. So, so yeah, it was, it was fun. I, I actually, I really enjoyed being immersed in that nice melting pot of, uh, different cultures and met a lot of nice people and, um, yeah, it was great. It's great. As the token American living in the current state of America with our lovely presidential thing we've got going on here did you get a lot did you get a lot of shit from any of the other bands who are (laughs) who are aware of the news oh yeah i mean you know they're they're very in tune with what's going on over here i mean culture in in mainland europe is is definitely um americanized I, i i'd say not culture um to an extent culture and then i'd say more so like entertainment and news, things like that. Um, so yeah, they're definitely uh, in tune with what's going on over here, and um, uh, you know, they they 
all except I think like one guy. <laughs> uh, one guy kind of gave me a hard time about it, but um, excuse me. Everyone else, you know, just had questions, and um, you know, I, I think if anything, they they were just kind of feeling for me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I had this little bit actually uh, during our set every night where um, I just kind of addressed it. I didn't go into a political rant at all. I just kind of said something along the lines of, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of what's going on in my neck of the woods. Um, but, uh, you know, next year, um, if uh, unfortunate events, events were to happen, um, would you be able to have it in your heart? I'm trying I'm taking a survey here. Would you be able to find it in your heart to adopt a uh, a nice, charming young American boy who's looking for a home? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that that usually went over well. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, the, everyone else on the tour, um, they were just kind of, I think, in shock as all of us are over here um, at the the candidacy, and um, you know. Uh, it, there's there's just such a huge difference in the culture over there when it comes to um, uh, political uh, opinions and beliefs. And, you know, over here, it's so important to have your opinion and to state your opinion and to make yourself heard and all of that stuff. And, you know, to be one party or another, whereas over there, yeah, there are parties and, and politics are important, obviously, no matter where you are. But... Um, uh, you know, they're, they're not really talking about it all the time because they have systems that, you know, so far and historically have, have been treating them pretty well, you know, over the past, you know, couple decades. Right. And, um, you know, it, well, and, and I, I speak for like, I, I guess, Denmark and um, Switzerland and Sweden and some of the places we went to. Um, and so uh, it's it's not really in their nature to just be, you know, having a, just a, a lax discussion about lax, usually turning into uh, a heated discussion about politics. You know, it's, it's not really uh, something that they're, you know, is on the forefront of their, uh, their minds. So, uh, but when we did talk, uh, yeah, they, they definitely had questions and um, concerns. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, on the tour, do you have a, on a tour like that, do you have a chance to be touristy at all? Like, or is it just show press next show? Yeah. Um, actually definitely have a, have a chance. Um, as long as I'm awake, um, <laughs> there's something about being in a bunk on a tour bus that, uh, allows me to sleep for like 15 hours. <laughs> it's kind of, a, I, I, it, uh, man, I remember waking up after our sound check one day and being very upset with myself that I missed soundcheck and then also very impressed that, <laughs> that I had hibernated. I did. Um, uh, but no, it, as long as I'm awake. Yeah. I, I a lot of the time I, I will get a chance to be uh, touristy and, um, you know, check out some of the scenery and, uh, and uh, like, I'm a huge fan of just checking out the architecture and, and seeing if there's a castle nearby and, you know, just all the, great things that they have over there that, you know, just we, we, we don't have over here. Um, and so I did get a chance to check out some castles and, you know, go to a few galleries and some art museums and things like that. It was, it was really nice. It's really nice. Um, and, uh, I, I, part of that is also because we, you know, we were playing last and, uh, 
all I had to really do during the day was um, uh, our sound check and uh, yeah, outside of lessons, I, I was also teaching lessons on the tour. So, but yeah. Uh, the next stop you guys have in Ranchi is with Full Force Festival. Yes. Although, as I'm looking on their website, you guys are not listed. May want to tell someone. <laughs> I saw the uh, I saw the flyer, and we were on there. Yeah, I'm on the website just because I was gonna like, who are you excited to see? But now I'm like, is this question bad? But no, it's it's on like your website. Oh yeah. Anyway, who are you excited to see it with Full Force? Who am I excited to see? Oh man, I gotta take another look at the lineup. I I. Uh... Let's see. I'm a little jealous of Borknagar on this one. That'd be pretty rad. Yeah. Uh, Fallujah, who I just saw, I'm going to see again, but they're always great. So. Yeah, man. No, I'm I'm really excited to uh, to hang out with those guys again too. Um, let me see here. Okay. Um. Yeah, Fallujah, obviously. Um. Uh, God, there's so many amazing bands on this. Uh, I'm excited to see uh, Norma Jean again. I feel like it's it's been like, oh God, ten years or something since I've seen that. But uh, straight from the path, uh, um, uh, my buddy Craig actually, who was in my first, he was our, my first drummer in uh, Heart Machine. Um, he plays for Straight from the Path now. So I'm really excited to see him. Um, There's some pretty great names on here, like Stepfather yeah. Stepfather Fred I've never heard of, but that, I want to check them out. Severian Sub- Meat Grinder, We Butter the Bread with Butter, who I've heard, and just that's such yeah. a good name. Yeah. <laughs> Trailer Park Sex, great. Yeah. <laughs> August Burns Red is always fun to watch. Trivium's always fun to watch. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Good lineup, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. And is that your last thing in the books for Raunchy at the moment? There's a there's a tour right now for the end of the year that we're uh, that we're looking at discussing at this point. Um, and uh, I'm not exactly sure. We we haven't committed to anything else just yet. To answer your question, okay. Yeah. Uh, to switch gears a little bit. We first got in contact, well, really first got in contact over Rest Among Ruins, but yeah. most recently it was over Ordinance, yes. uh, which dropped the second album, uh, Ides of March. Yes. Could, would you mind elaborating on the concept of that a bit? Because I know it's a rather, uh, what's the word I want? Complicated one? Yeah, it's it's very dense, man. And, and uh, <clears throat> it's so funny because... Uh, what really got me into Roman history, <laughs> it wasn't history class in elementary school, middle school, high school. <laughs> it was actually uh, HBO ages, ages ago. They, they had a, uh, um, a two season series called Rome um, that uh, really just like I, I'm such a visual learner. And I think that's half the reason why uh, I fell in love with it. Um, but they, they did such an incredible job of just... Um, just illustrating that time, putting you in that time, and um, making you see just like all of the precipitating events leading up to Caesar's assassination and really just putting you in everyone's place. I mean, there, there's so many intertwining storylines going on there. And um, and so this, I, I watched that when I was 
God, like a freshman in college or something like that. And, um, and, uh, that just sparked in- enough interest that I, I just kind of wanted to educate myself about that. And, and it, and, uh, and then I guess maybe a year later or something like that, when I was, when I was doing ordinance, um, uh, we, we put out our first album, internal monologues and, uh, and almost like immediately after releasing that album, I want to say that was 2011, 20, yeah, yeah, summer 2011. Yeah, um, uh, they, they were already working on new material, and uh, it just so happened that the material just kind of struck me. Maybe I was just hearing what I wanted to hear, but it just struck me as almost Roman sounding. There was something about it. Um, and, uh, and, and so I pitched the concept to them, uh, uh, like after I heard the first few demos just instrumental demos and um everyone was super into the idea and i'm so happy that i did uh at that at that time um because it sort of planted that seed and um you know instrumentally everything sort of fell into place and it became like a nice a nice just just uh well-rounded package of of uh everyone's uh i guess creative take on on the concept you know, um, it, it wasn't like I slapped the concept on top of an instrumental album that, uh, you know, um, the uh, that visual or that theme or uh, whatever, what wasn't um, uh, wasn't in their minds when they were writing the music. Um, so I think that really helped right there and really helped inspire uh, some of my lyrics. Um, so anyway, I just kind of like went back to some of my notes that I took total nerd moment but some of my notes that i took when i was watching rome and some of the characters who really inspired me um and uh i just like had such a blast i loved writing this album and just i mean taking some creative liberties here and there obviously um and just it, just delving into their uh just first person kind of uh uh experience with the situation what their motives were and um you know whether they were involved in the plot uh or whether they were on caesar's side you know if it was his wife or if it was octavian or whoever um i just had so much fun just uh writing from their perspectives um and uh like so for example like creative liberties (laughs) just uh so um Fear of Discovery. That that's uh, um, Servilia. That's it's uh, Caesar's wife, and and you know, uh, it's 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 written that she had a premonition of the assassination, like um, like the night before, uh, um, and um, so I just kind of like the 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 song itself. I wrote from just a dream state of hers, premonition of hers, and obviously took some liberties there, but, um, tried to stick to the facts, you know? So, um, and tried to do the same with, uh, all the other characters as well. Yeah. To anybody listening, who's not familiar ordinances, you're a technical melodic death metal project with Alex Rudiger and some, it's basically kind of a super group of just intense, great metal and, yeah. Uh, yeah. That dropped in March, appropriately enough, right? Yes. 
Oh, no, no. It didn't? I thought yeah, it did. Ah. No, it was. I know. I know. And you know what's funny? You know how the uh, the album release date just got switched to Fridays, like, within the past year or so? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, the Ides was, was going to fall on a Tuesday, <sighs> the original album release day. <laughs> I should have just done it anyway, just, like, through Bandcamp. Right? It drops that Tuesday. Right, yeah. <laughs> So you did mention there was a, a five-year gap between records. Can fans yes. expect the next one in 2021? Because you said after the last one, there was already stuff in the works. Is there already stuff in the works? Um, I know that Gunter has been working on new tunes. Um, but I, I, I actually haven't heard anything yet. I, I think he's just being very particular about it and um, wants to make sure that he is is you know fully happy with it before he... Um, file shares with us total millennial band um, but uh, yeah so I know that new tunes are in the works instrumentally um, but I, I haven't heard any of the ideas just yet so I can't say that I've really uh, um, jumped into uh, 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 trying to conceptualize um, a new lyrical theme because I, I mean just odds are I'm going to write another concept album yeah, in general, you seem like a, a storyteller with your lyrics. Have you dabbled in novels or films or any sort of uh, alternate storytelling media? Oh, man. I, well, I before I was in music, I, I was... Uh, uh, all the creative energy went into comics. And so I, I, uh, I used to sketch and ink. And color wasn't exactly my thing, um, but black and white sketch and, and ink... Um, uh, that was my creative outlet as a kid, I'd say. Um, but that's that's probably the extent of my storytelling right there. And uh, yeah, uh, these comics were you doing adaptations of existing properties, or are these original? No, they were originals. Not very good originals, but uh, you know, <laughs> I tried. Are we looking at like <laughs> Are we looking at like sad, sad Daniel Klaus stuff? Or are we like more intense kind of? Uh, anything? Uh, you know, I guess, you know, I, I was, I really liked, um, I really liked, uh, Todd McFarlane and the Spawn series. And I really liked, uh, his off, his, his, uh, little side, well, it wasn't his side project. It was Greg Capullo's, uh, the guy who ended up drawing Spawn, um, the Creech and, um, some of the darker stuff like that. And, uh, so it, it was like futuristic, um, superhero kind of stuff but nothing nothing worth uh worth showing <laughs> do you do you cringe thinking about it now I or do. oh shit sorry <laughs> almost as much as i cringe thinking about like my first band like high school band <laughs> actually uh, something i do with this show with every interview is i ask people their first band what was your first band and what did it sound like oh my god so at my high school there was my band we were called Postmortem. Yeah, and we and and heavy. don't don't be deceived by that title. We were not a heavy band by any. We were like a hard rock band, but our drummer decided that he really really wanted to name us Postmortem. And so, uh, I, yeah, I think that was kind of deceiving. Um, <laughs> not to mention just a terrible name in general. Uh, so yeah, we were Postmortem, and, um, uh, and then the other band in our high school. Uh, there were three bands. It was us and then a jam band, and then All Time Low. 
<laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we we all see what happened there. So, um, and that jam band was Fish. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, this one may be kind of a cliche question, but it it's a question. Um, you sure. you called Raunchy a dream come true singing for them. Any other bands yeah. that would be uh, suited, like would also fit that bill? That if they lost a singer and they called upon you, oh, be it would they be a dream come true for yeah. me to, to join? Oh my god, oh, that's a great question. Oh, hmm, that's a good question. I listen to so much pop right now, and uh, and it <laughs> it'd be. It'd be it'd be such a dream come true if Adam Lambert left Adam Lambert and I could be Adam <laughs> Lambert. <laughs> uh, he he is uh, someone who I've been jamming for a long time and just phenomenal vocalist. I mean, the guy replaced Freddie Mercury. You know what I mean? Sings for Queen now. He's it's his talent's undeniable whether you like him or not. But uh, uh, I, I gotta say, it's a better fit than uh, Paul Rogers. Also, the dude from Bad Company. Sure. Like right. that that was good, but cool, but yeah, yeah, no, right, right, right. Um, yeah, that's a good question, man. I, I, I can't really say for sure right now. Um, maybe, uh, God, you know, I, I really, I'm also a huge fan of Muse. I've got a very different voice than Pat Bellamy, but, uh, you know, that would be one that, uh, that could be I, cool. I, I, yeah, I feel like I, I could, I might be able to offer something a little different, you know, cause, uh, it's, it's tough to replace someone. You know, it, it, it really is, especially especially a singer, uh, especially a clean singer, because um, people kind of just get, you know, attached to that to that voice. And um, it's it's change in general is just kind of tough when it comes to anything art related. It's I think it's tough for for listeners and viewers and whatnot. And um, uh, so so replacing that someone who has that sentimental attachment it's just uh difficult to do so so it was one thing replacing casper um in raunchy um uh you know he just was responsible for the uh harsh vocals and um you know and my screams are way different than his um it'd be different if i was replacing both him and yepa the uh the other clean vocalist um, well, who was originally the only clean vocalist, and then now I'm doing cleans as well, obviously. Um, so, uh, yeah. But that is a great question. It's a great question. Uh, your your YouTube channel and Bandcamp have a bunch of diverse covers from like Lana Del Rey and Imogen Heap and the Scorpions. Yeah. If you were to release a solo album, do you see it being more on the pop side, or would you even consider doing a straight up Mike Semesky mm-hmm. solo joint? I've definitely considered it and it's definitely something that I've been trying to work on for a while. <laughs> and, uh, my, my first instrument was guitar. And so guitar and bass, I can do those. No problem. I can write a song on guitar and bass, but oddly enough, man, make writing a pop song. Um, I think it's more the composition on a computer, um, and programming synths and beats and things like that. I'm just, Man, it's it's just a whole other world, and um, so I've worked with actually uh, uh, quite a few producers, and I've just been really really picky. Um, I've worked with a few producers on just trying to refine my sound. So to answer your question, I have been working on something, but it's 
I haven't gotten very far because um, it has to be, it has to be perfect, <laughs> and I just haven't gotten there yet. Um, so I am working with one guy right now. He's uh, uh, really good at what he does and does a lot of. Uh, he does um, well besides pop. He does hip hop and EDM. And he does like some. I don't think he really does the dub thing, but uh, he, he does like trip hop and like all of the tiny little subgenres that I think um, sort of uh, it makes it makes his writing for pop uh, a lot more unique because of the fact that he, he is he delves into all of those different realms of sampling if that makes any sense you know if you're doing a trip hop song or a hip hop song or whatever uh, you know, it's going to be a lot like the percussion is going to be different from one to the other and the synths are going to be different from one to the other and so on and so forth, the way you mix it. So I think that's been helpful. Um, uh, it's easier to say, uh, you know, because I have no idea what I'm talking about when it's like, I want to sound like this. Um, uh, check out this song, this, this reference. I want strings to sound kind of like this. Um, and uh, he can he can translate that. <laughs> Who do you um, want to sound like? Uh, well, I, I want to sound like Mike, but um, but I think uh, I I really do want to go for um, uh, an orchestral kind of pop kind of kind of vibe, uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, like the original Lana Del Rey album is is not too far off of what I would want. Um, you know, it, every song is just like chock full of just strings and just really, really nice, uh, uh, chord progressions. And, um, uh, she's definitely, uh, every album since then has been quite a departure, which is uh, upsetting to me, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but something along those lines, but, uh, with, with acoustic guitars as well, and um electric and uh you know i want to be able to play my other instruments as well not necessarily as something that's meant to be in the forefront but um just for texture texture and atmosphere um yeah i guess that's probably the best way to describe it some some sort of orchestral uh hybrid with with pop and maybe hip-hop ish kinds of beats um, not that I'm going to be rapping anytime soon. That's definitely not, uh, that's not in my nature right there. <laughs> Are you familiar with Jamie Lydell? I can't say that I am. Jamie he, he's a British singer who is like this nerdy looking white guy that sings kind of soulful stuff. He put out an okay. album with Beck producing it called Compass that okay. uh, could be kind of in that wheelhouse. Like if, you Interesting. At want some more inspiration. I'm sure you've got plenty, yeah. but it sounds, it, it's, it kind of a world that you might be looking into. But if awesome. for, if nothing else, check it out. It's a good album. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, if I like it, I'll just I'll just hit up Beck. Yo, it, Beck, you want, you want to produce mine too? If you, if you do do that, uh, can you hook a brother up with a phone number? Because he's yeah, kind yeah. of a he's not he's not metal at all. But I would love to talk to that man. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Batman. Yeah, he's kind of like my <laughs> ultimate hero human being anyway yeah yeah oh my god incredible musician man yeah yeah all right let's Flash say- producer i i do i do need to check this out yeah if, if that if that uh is ringing some bells like just what i was describing and yeah 
Yeah, compass. Um, sure. So let's end on some very kind of James Lipton-y questions. Okay. If you were to be able to trade voices with anybody, who would you trade voices with? Adam Lambert. Yeah, cool. Hands down. Oh, yeah, that guy is – that guy's voice is brilliant. What is your earliest memory of heavy music? Oh, man, great question. Uh, the only reason that I'm in this genre right now uh, is because I was exposed so early to metal. Um, I have an older brother um, who's about six years older than me. And so growing up, it was all Megadeth, Anthrax, Metallica, Tool, and uh, and the like, you know, um, Rage Against the Machine. You know, so when I was a little kid, you know, I was exposed to the heavy stuff early. You know, my parents are super into music as well. They're both singers um, and uh, uh, well, sing I, I, singers as in they can carry a tune, <laughs> not not professional, but uh, uh, you know, they they listen to some of the classic rock stuff, and then I got a balance of that, and then uh, a lot of heavy metal from my older brother. So my earliest memories, I would say, would be of. Um, yeah, Metallica, uh, Megadeth, and just just uh, shelves of mixtapes from uh, my older brother Chris. <laughs> uh, in my line of questions right now would be the first band question, so let's go past that. What's next for for you? What's next? Okay, um, yeah, great question. Well, so after uh, this festival. Um, which I'm really excited. I'm finally bringing my girlfriend to Europe with me. Cool. It's going to be really exciting. Um, uh, after that, I am actually working on, go figure, a new new band. <laughs> 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 um, uh, it's, it's, but it's actually another band that will be a live band. Oh, cool. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it's with some guys that you definitely know. Um, so um, it's, it's kind of like... Uh, all DL right now like there's still UTs. no name for it but it's but it's a it's a it's a group with some phenomenal musicians and uh it's more of the prog rock uh kind of uh realm and um really really inspiring music I, I love it so that's that's gonna be next all right well I'll keep an eye out for whatever that is you tease yeah uh, yeah posted on that and finally, I interviewed Alex a few months back when he was on tour with Good Tiger. And awesome. I, and I asked him if he had any stories about you that would make uh, you squirm. He didn't, which was yes. which was such a bummer. Can you say the same? Which was such a bummer. I, I just I wanted some embarrassing story about you that I could bring up and just listen to you get uncomfortable. And sadly, not like like feel guilty, uncomfortable, but just kind of be embarrassed. What? He had no ammo on me. Nothing. What? I, I, oh, he was just being nice. I, that's what I figured. <laughs> oh my god. Um, oh, so oh, so can I say the same as an embarrassing story about myself or about Rudy? Either. About. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! So other than my my awful high school band called Postmortem. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like, you don't have to. But uh, I I was curious if he would have anything, and I felt like he was being nice. Oh man. Oh jeez. Let me see. Um, oh, I've got an amazing one about Rudy. Please. Amazing one. Um, <laughs> he's going to kill me. Um, should, so, should you uh, warn him? 
What's that? Should you warn him that you're telling the story? Should I warn him? It's it's um you know it's he'll be fine with it. Great, love it. <laughs> I'll explain myself later. Uh, it's it's not that embarrassing. It's actually kind of it's kind of scary, but Uh-oh. like looking back on it, it, you know, you can sugarcoat things. Um, but uh, you know, Rudy's like really into fitness and um, you know, doing blast beats at you know three million beats per minute. Um, so. Uh, you know, when he was still with the faceless and playing, you know, having to warm up for, you know, uh, an hour long set of those blast beats at three million beats per minute. Um, you know, he, he uh, he's well, a, a coffee addict and then B, you know, would work out. And so would take some pre-workout supplement and stuff like that. And, um, I, you know, I don't think this actually happened when he was on tour. It was probably happening when he was rehearsing back at home um, after tour he uh he ended up having so much caffeine in his system i didn't realize this was a thing he ended up getting caffeine toxicity i've heard of that have you heard of that he went to the doctor <laughs> apparently he was just kind of like holy crap my chest is just like gonna explode and his doctor was like uh when he eventually got to the doctor they were like your your resting heart rate is like beating as fast as it would be if you were like running a marathon right now <laughs> Wow. So yeah, he had to come down from from that high right there. Um, but yeah, so I I think I think he's sort of curbed some of his his um, caffeine addiction since then. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's it, it's so funny seeing Rudy. Uh, just it's so funny seeing him before his coffee. <laughs> he, he, I think I think they based uh, um, <laughs> the Walking Dead <laughs> zombies off of him. <laughs> pre-coffee well thank you very much for that um, yes. and thank you for talking with me On sorry Rudy <laughs> yeah <laughs> the idea I've had for a while was to speak with you after I spoke with him and kind of compile yeah. it all into one like ordinance special episode sort of thing so oh, awesome. so it'll all kind of bookend it and work out perfect um, but on the, the this won't be on the episode but the whole uh caffeine toxicity thing i had some friends that were playing beer pong before they could actually buy their own alcohol so they bought uh energy drink nas and played oh my god they played nas pong and somebody had to go to the hospital so no yeah they just did too many shots of nas or it was real bad yeah oh my god wow and and so they were actually diagnosed with that caffeine toxicity yeah they went and they got checked out and you know they basically kind of calmed them down and that was the end of that stupid game oh yeah (laughs) i've never heard of that that's (laughs) oh my god yeah this is from some some years ago but yeah when you can't buy alcohol you'll still be stupid as a kid yeah right exactly so that's what the kids were doing at one point it was like what was it choking yourself or something making yourself pass out and now it's yeah it was like that alongside of like uh cough syrup yeah, yeah oh my god Ro- robo tripping was yep. what it was called it back in yeah do you know what i'm talking about yeah the tussin man <laughs> the tussin yep. yeah i only know because of mc chris mostly but yeah good stuff oh my god dude oh that is, that is too funny all right, man. Well, thank you for talking with me. When you come around with this other project, I'd be happy to shake yeah. your hand, give you high fives, all the good stuff. Oh, my God, dude. Beers, high fives, hugs, all the stuff. Lovely. Let's do it. All right. Well, where, you have a good Dan, Pardon? Dan, where are you based again? Sorry. I'm in Davis, California, just outside of Sacramento. Outside. Of, okay. Awesome. So awesome. I, I saw you a couple years back with uh, Intervals and the Protest the Hero Tour. So. Wait, did we meet there? Uh, maybe. Maybe briefly. 
Yeah. I, I remember playing that Sacramento show, but I, I actually, I kind of, um, uh, I went to school for psychology and long story short, one of my uh, cohort uh, members moved to Sacramento. And so she was out at the show. She came to see me, uh, her and her boyfriend. And uh, so they, they took me out to dinner like right after we played. So I, I didn't get much time to hang out, but uh, yeah, yeah. But absolutely, next time I'm around, man, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, you have a good day. Enjoy your deck furniture and uh, Thank you. getting unpacked. <laughs> getting unpacked and stuff. Thank you, man. I'm going to do a whole lot of sitting today. Yeah. You yeah. got to you got to try out that furniture. Make sure it works. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, hey, dude. Great talking to you. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Likewise. You have a good one, man. Oily marks appear on walls where pleasure. From his bandcamp, mikesemensky.bandcamp.com, that was his cover of Image and Heaps, Hide and Seek. For more of Mike's work with Ordnance, head to facebook.com slash official or to raunchy.dk. I'm going to wrap up this episode with something heavy for my recommendation. Aberration are a death grind band from Santa Rosa, California. They released an EP not long ago called Twisted Into Fragments. This is Left to Rot.
more Aberration, head to facebook.com slash afterbathmetal or aberration13.bandcamp.com. I'd like to thank you for listening and all the bands for being a part of the show. For more Far Beyond Metal fun, head to facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal, tweet me at ovacord, O-V-A-C-O-R-D, or email me at farbeyondmetaldan at gmail.com. As always, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.